Welcome to the Awakened Man Podcast, where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you're well today. I know the audio is not the best, but it's better than the audio was before. So today I'm going to give my take on the Ukrainian issue. Now, I, and I've mentioned this before, am not the type that watches news. I know there's people who watch news incessantly. My eldest brother does this. My mother watches uh, same does the same thing, but they watch different ideological channels. I am not that way. So the, the opinion I'm expressing is not informed or tainted by anything that's gone on. All I know is this. Russia invaded the Ukraine. I mean, I, I keep myself in a bubble. I don't. I only have streaming stuff so I can avoid commercials. I know the basics. But what I do know is Russian history because my master's is in pre-revolutionary Russian history. So I wanted to give my take on this. Now, of course, it doesn't mean anything. Just It's a different kind of insight that maybe what you're getting. Because what you're getting is, based on what I can tell, what I see on the TV when I go to the gym, is Russia bad, right? Ukraine good. You know, it's just this kind of binary, monolithic view. All right, look, a couple of things. So the Russians, the white Russians, and the Ukrainians are all part of the same group of Eastern Slavs. The Slavs are an ethno-linguistic group, and they settled in that area, ooh, about mm, 1,200 years ago. We also have the Southern Slavs, otherwise known as the Yugoslavs. That's going to be Slovenian, Croatians, Serbians. Then you have the Western Slavs, which are the Poles, Slovaks, and Czechs. They're all related. Either way. So... The Slavs in the early days, like a thousand years ago, were actually uh, mixed with some descendants of the Vikings. And the Vikings would go down the uh, Dnieper River and the Dniester River and the White River and the Divina River and the Volga River, all these to get down and trade with uh, Byzantium, which was down in the Black Sea area. So the original Slavs, the first kind of Slavic civilization was actually out of Ukraine. It was the Kievan Rus, as they would, they would call it. And the Kievan Rus became... Uh, Christian because of Saint Vladimir. We still venerate this guy. He's more venerated in the Orthodox, but he was the one who brought the, uh, the the Russian, so to speak. But this was headquartered out of Kiev, not of Moscow. Moscow was a podunk little village at this time around 980-990 AD. And he brought civilization. So the first kind of what we would call Russian civilization was actually in the Ukraine. And then for a variety of reasons, you have the Cossacks invading and the Mongols and all this later on. Eventually, the, the power, the Slavic power moved up toward present-day Moscow. St. Petersburg did not exist. That was a creation of St. Peter the Great. Or I should say Peter the Great is not a saint. Uh, in the late 1600s, early 1700s. But later on, especially with the rise of, of the Romanovs, in the late 1500s, early 1600s, after the time of trouble, you saw this expansionistic 
uh, kind of Russian state under the czar. Now, we definitely had the czars before the Romanov rules. You have like Ivan the Great, 1400s, Ivan the Terrible. And they expanded through Siberia, through Yermak. Yermak was this, this, the first guy who went across the Urals and he realized, oh my God, all these people are a bunch of cavemen. So, you know, within 100 years, from the 1500s to 1648, they, they, they crossed Siberia and then they expanded that way because of all the fur trading that they made a lot of money on them. So Russia grew. And so later under the true Romanov czarist Russia, they expanded into Central Asia, which would be like Borat's land, Kazakhstan. And they re kind of asserted themselves in uh, kind of in the Ukraine and later in the Baltics and so forth. But understand the Baltics are Germanic people, like Estonia, Lithuania, Latvian. I mean, really the Estonians are actually related to the Hungarians. But my point is that they're not Slavic. So the way Tsarist Russia saw things was, we are essentially the, the, the leaders of the Slavic people, in particular the Western Slavic people, but really all the Slavic people. And that the, the, the Tsar saw this as his hegemony, as his land. Now, when he abdicated, when Nicholas II abdicated, to, to uh, Lenin in 1917, and eventually the, the Bolsheviks took over. The Bolsheviks, of course, would say they were anti-Tsarist, but they all moved into the Tsarist palaces and so forth, because it's all nonsense. All ideologies are just a, a method, a means to control power. So under the Soviets, the Soviets early on broke up the Russian Empire into 22 autonomous regions. And so you saw later on the, like the Moldovian SSR, the Lithuanian SSR, the Ukrainian SSR, Soviet Socialist Republic. And that's the way it was essentially until 1990 when the fall of the Soviet Union happened. Now, Russia at the time, when it was essentially the Soviet Union, still viewed all these, these lands as theirs. So in 1990, the Soviet Union broke up and all these, these autonomous zones that they had created under the Soviet Union became their own countries. Well, Yeltsin and later Putin saw this as, no, this is still essentially Russian land because it was Russian land under Tsarist Russia and certainly under the USSR, which saw all that land as a kind of a, that bequeathed to them from Tsarist Russia. So that kind of brings us to today. So the Ukraine is and was always the breadbasket of Russia. And you saw during some of the, 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 the failed communist collectivist plans of the 1920s and 30s. You saw tens of millions of people starve to death in kind of collectivization, like, oh, we want to grow wheat. No, this land's actually for corn. No, you're going to grow wheat. And of course, tons of people died. So the, U the Ukraine had a lot of mass starvation under kind of communist malfeasance and idiot policies. Either way, so the Ukrainian people do have their own identity, but they are essentially Russian. They're all essentially the same, and they all essentially share the same history. Now, it's understandable that the Ukrainian people wanted to have their own independence from Russia, but if you look from 1992, really, to today, it was all just autocrats, former former Soviet autocrats were masquerading as democratic leaders. And so you have this idea that the Ukrainian is this bastion for democracy. No, it's really not. It's run by oligarchs, just like Russia was. Anyways, so let's get to, to recent times. So with NATO, NATO is a defensive alliance that was created during the Cold War. And the belief of NATO was if anybody attacks NATO land, all the countries would, would, would attack back, namely the United States, because we're the, the forerunner of NATO. Now, the communists had an equivalent group called the, the Warsaw Pact, and it was the same thing. If anybody attacked the Warsaw Pact countries, 
uh, the Soviet Union would attack. So the Warsaw Pact were essentially all the countries that the Soviet Union took over after World War II. So that would include Poland and Hungary and Czechoslovakia and all these countries. So the last 20 years, you saw the United States essentially telling Ukraine, look, well, first of all, they made guarantees to Russia under Yeltsin and, and later Putin. We're not going to make or want these Eastern European countries to come under NATO. Because America understood that, that the Eastern European area was essentially still Russian domain. It was always Russia's uh, kind of borderlands, Russian buffer zone. But they made lies to, to Russia and said, we're never going to go in this land. But ultimately they did. They accepted all these countries into the Warsaw Pact that were former Soviet countries like Poland and, and the Czech Republic and so forth. So they lied straight out to Russia about incorporating these countries into the uh, NATO. Then about 20 years ago, baby Bush said in Bucharest at a conference, he's like, yeah, we want to bring Ukraine into NATO. Now, of course, Putin at the time is like, no, this isn't going to happen. The Ukraine is essentially linked to us. It'd be like telling Wales that has been connected to Britannia, to England for 700 years that uh, they're going to join an ideology that is completely contrary to them. England wouldn't allow it. The United Kingdom as a whole would not have allowed it. So Putin is like, no, there's no way Belarus or uh, Belarusia, as we call it, White Russia, or the Ukraine would ever enter NATO. We will never allow it to happen. But the idiot West kept pushing it and said, oh, they're going to join, they're joining. Of course, the Ukraine wants it because they want protection from Russia. But honestly, it doesn't matter what the Ukraine wants. Because we get sucked into these wars if, for example, Russia were to invade Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, which are all now in NATO. Which were always, I would say, the last 300 years under Russian uh, kind of hegemony. But originally they were Hanseatically Germanic kingdoms. So that's where we are today. So I would tell you this. So Putin is like, we need to get rid of the Ukrainian president because, of course, he's courting NATO involvement. And he says, all I want to do is get rid of the, the Ukrainian president. If you guys want to assassinate him or oust him, then, then I would stop. You know, whether or not that's true or not, who knows? I mean, no, none of us really know Putin. Okay, It's just like when we say, oh, Selena Gomez seems nice. You don't know that. You don't know Selena Gomez. I don't know Selena Gomez. You don't know Putin. So... It would be equivalent, and I would say it's like this what happened to Cuba. So when the communists took over Cuba, or let's say the communists took over Mexico in the height of the Cold War, would the United States have tolerated it? And I would tell you, Mexico is not the best example because Mexico ethnically, historically, and linguistically isn't a part of America. It's radically different religion and, and democratic values and just different history. But it would give you an idea. If this was 1958, and believe me, my, my, my families, my, my people down in Mexico, if you look at their constitution in 1917, it is very Marxist. Think of Cardenas. He was the president in the 30s and 40s. Very left-leaning. But either way, let's say if there was a revolution in 1958 and Mexico became avowedly communist, like, like Cuba Castro did. Do you think the United States would tolerate that? When we, go, we know going back to Teddy Roosevelt, really going back to the Monroe Doctrine in 1820, Western Hemisphere is our bitch. This is our area, especially North America. It's our area. And the United States would never have tolerated an open communist Mexico, just like we didn't tolerate an open communist Cuba. We tried to assassinate Fidel Castro. 
And this is open. I mean, this is not even like a conspiracy theory. We tried to assassinate, and a lot of them were just idiot attempts. So we know Bay of Pigs, for example. So why, why is it bad that we try to get Castro out of Cuba, but it's, it's bad if Putin wants to get the comedian actor president out of the Ukraine? His name escapes me right now. I mean, we have to look at the double standards. But Mexico is not even the best example. The best example would be Canada. Because Canada is essentially the same ethnic group linguistically, you know, it's essentially WASP upbringing. You know, Quebec was Catholic, but and French, but essentially it's a WASP founding, both Canada and the United States. Would we have tolerated an open communist country, Canada, that we share so many, so much history and values with to the north of our border? That could invade us at any time. There's no way in hell we would ever have tolerated that. And that's my point, is let's try to get away from this binary view. Because look, if big business, big media, Hollywood, everywhere you look is hashtag Ukraine, hashtag Ukraine, World Economic Forum, the globalist organizations are all hashtag Ukraine. If everybody is supporting in this kind of optic that Russia is bad, Ukraine is good, I just would suggest that we step back and just be like, Something's fishy about this. And again, I am not supporting necessarily the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. Be very clear. I'm just giving you a historical perspective and a historical analog as to how we would handle it if something happened to our sphere of influence. Now, I don't know how this is going to play out. This could all be a prelude. Again, the globalists could have arranged this and eventually... Russia, we could get involved militarily, which would be idiotic. But we know, you know, we know that essentially the wars are concocted by rich men to get poor people to fight in their wars. Who, who knows what's really going to happen? I mean, this has probably all been sketched out at you know Bilderberg or wherever the the Grove years ago. But if Russia were to, you know, let's say invade Poland or the Baltics, we would by by NATO decree have to invade. That would not go well, or China could get involved. Who knows? Either way, this is all bad. It's all bad, but I just want to give you just this perspective of how the Ukraine has always been Russia's bitch, always. And they view it as their ethnic counterparts for a thousand years. And of course, Russia is not going to tolerate, and they were open about this for three decades, was not going to tolerate NATO expansion into Ukraine. So are we surprised that Putin, who is pretty massive, is going to actually back up his words and say, yeah, we, I told you we weren't going to tolerate this. And he goes in. Are we really surprised? And again, we try to get Castro out of Mexico, out of Cuba. So why is it bad that Putin wants to get the comedian out of the Ukraine presidency? Why is it bad? I mean, it's a massive double standard when you say that it's okay to do one and not the other. Either way, guys, that's all I got to say. We'll see what happens. Let's pray for peace. Guys, if you appreciate my content, please post an honest review. It'll only take you five seconds if you have an Apple product. There's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal. If you want to make a donation, I'll defray the cost of this of hosting this on the server because I don't make any money off of this. I would appreciate that. Also, there's a link to Naturopathic Earth on the website where you can find all my podcasts and all my articles. And lastly, please subscribe and follow to... All three feeds, Confessions of an Obi Child, The Awakened Man, and 
female holistic health apothecary. Until next time, take care, God bless, and pray. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needum. Until next time. Music, courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.